Hi, I'm Vox Teen Communications Senior Editor Rich Eldridge. Welcome to the Vox ATL Guide on the Side podcast. In this series, we'll talk to youth development professionals to spotlight their work and bring you behind-the-scenes stories from our community partners. We'll also share experiences from our own nearly three-decade-long commitment to amplifying youth voice and leadership across Metro Atlanta. We borrowed the name for this podcast from one of our founding principles for Vox's Downtown Atlanta newsroom, where adults guiding on the side have assisted two generations of teens in our youth-driven safe space to create media, share their stories, and develop their skills as leaders. We're excited to step up as guides on the side for the youth development field, amplifying the voices of the people in the work and highlighting the expertise all around us. So like time, you know, this whole like COVID time has, I can't, you know, it's been like a year. It, it just, it's very strange. So my name is Rich Eldridge. Uh, I have served as Vox's uh, senior editor for the past nine years. Um, I'm Rachel, I work at Vox and I'm our mission director. In the past year, um, we have co-created this um, guide on the side storytelling. Um, it's really utilizing the best of what we know about peer-to-peer -peer communication and peer-to-peer -peer supports and peer-to-peer -peer storytelling to um, support participants and also to share stories that make a difference in a community, or in this case, a field. Rebecca, I wanna start uh, our, our conversation with you. Uh, I don't have to tell anybody on this call that all youth serving nonprofits have encountered some unique challenges in the past year during uh, the COVID pandemic pivot to online. Can you recount for us the story of the reopening of the clubhouses? Sure, <laughs> I think so March 14, 16, uh, Viewpoint Health uh, CEO, uh, Jennifer Hibber made a decision to go ahead and, and close clubhouses. Um, and so we were just sort of at 3 p.m. I believe we got an email from Lynn or from Jennifer saying that it was, that that's what we were doing. And so I think that it was overall sort of like a shock Though that we were silently expecting it, but we were there was a part of us that was like, okay, how are we going to do this? And so, as an agency, Viewpoint Health had centers, and I mean, there's so many programs at Viewpoint Health that sort of took a priority of of figuring out how they were going to do telehealth because it was it was so so new with so many different flexibilities that didn't allow before. And so the clubhouses were just you'll figure it out. <laughs> So I remember that I told Lynn, we're just going to have to like create a family between us directors and figure it out. And so right away, um, Lynn called a meeting and invited us and, and we sort of, be, we did, we became this clubhouse family where we just held hands and we are so creative and talented. Uh, we're different, we're three types of clubhouses, two mental health, two substance abuse, and one prevention. And so some of our target is, is a different population, but we're serving similar families uh, that sometimes go from one clubhouse to the next. And so we, we understood the population and we just needed to use our talent. First of all, the directors needed to come into agreement 
and figure out how we're going to do this. And then we had to inject that same passion to our staff that was scared. We were now in a shared global experience with our clients, with our community, and with the world. Um, so I'm Lynn Honeycutt. I work for Viewpoint Health, and I am the director of Clubhouses. We're really kind of this family and this community for the kids that we serve. You know, um, just even our individual staff members have such an impact on our our members that it's you know to lose that suddenly you know it's like they've lost going to school and you know now some it looks there's different stressors in the family and they've kind of lost their outlet so we knew we needed to you know get in touch with them and how could we get in touch with them um, and not lose any progress that they made or not have the fear surrounding the pandemic and just the the changes that were out of their control and so uncertain um, take them to a place even, you, you know, to make them worse off than they were when we saw them last week. So I think we definitely, you know, started reaching out individually, you know, as much as we could. And I know that we would all have several different staff members kind of, you know, checking on these kids daily, weekly, um, you know, just and the families um, just because we know we can't just, it's not like with school and you can just be like, okay, go on home and we'll figure it out later and don't worry about it. Um, you know, I, I work with a substance use disorder clubhouse. So, you know, we don't want these kids who are experiencing some success in recovery to be like, well, now it doesn't matter. I'm just going to use, you know, because um, to work with, you know, to cover these fears or for the kids that, you know, Rebecca is seeing and Strive is seeing who are making progress in addressing mental health concerns all of a sudden to be taken backwards. So that definitely that that duty to continue to provide not only the service, but also the community, the family for them really, you know, was like, okay, we've got to get in there. And I think, you know, as you hear, when we all say why we got in the field, we want to help. So, you know, our first thing, even though we were trying to deal with everything coming at us was like, but what about, you know, what about the kids? What about the families? You know, our, our way of coping sometimes is to help other people. <laughs> so. So just for clarification, how long were the clubhouse programs on pause? You know, I mean, we never really paused. Michelle, uh, following up, expanding on a little bit of what Lynn was uh, talking about, in your role as preventative director, what were some of the mental health challenges you were seeing? It was a very big challenge in being able to reach our youth and seeing them face to face. We did the deliveries in which that was a kind of little interaction that we could do face to face with them. Um, we were going from home to home, giving care packages, um, arts and crafts, a uh, little care package so that we could do a Zoom activity um, together. And that really did help. However, I think the biggest challenge for us was having that face-to-face -to -face touch in her. We're Hispanics. I mean, I, I can speak for, for Henry and Rebecca and myself. So we're Hispanics, we're touchy, feely, lovey-dovey people. And not having that is, Odd. The kids mentally, it was hard on them because they were just tired of being on Zoom. They wanted to be at the clubhouse, but we just wanted to explain to them that there's reasons why we're not here. 
we're going to continue to take care of you because you're special and you're important to me. However, this is the way that we're going to have to do it until soon this ends. Rebecca has been doing at home um, Zoom classes and courses. She does groceries and whatnot. Um, Henry has been sending these awesome videos and we have been teaching kids how to do tutorials. I learned how to, I learned YouTube. I never thought I was going to be a YouTuber and teach kids how to do an at-home frappuccino. Like, what is, what is wrong with me? Now I'm like, I want to do a podcast. You guys have these, I listen to podcasts all the time those podcast voices and I'm like oh, well this is something I want to do not we just have to be on our toes and change what's within our box and just this is what our kids do our kids are online our kids are listening and we need to catch up to them that was one of the big challenges I think of you know how up are we for change because we're always trying to support the members and the families to make changes in their life. But that was an interesting um, turn of events that, that we, um, you know, as directors and that all our staff had to be able to roll with change. Um, so, you know, we couldn't rely on taking kids out to these activities. Um, we couldn't rely on kind of that face-to-face -face interaction. So it's kind of like, what can we create that will be really of value to them to turn, tune into another Zoom, you know? Um, because I know I'm doing that these days. I'll see, you know, somebody saying, hey, come to this training. Hey, be on this meeting. Hey, be on this. And none of us want like another hour of Zoom in our life, you know? So, so is it something, how can that add value well you know maybe some people do but <laughs> i you know um I, i'm not all about just sitting here and most of our kids are not either you know that's why it was so great to be able to take them out and be active and i'm huge into physical health because that's been a huge part of my own recovery so whenever you know we can go do something active and we're working out and we're doing all these things so if that tool's taken away or if i have to reimagine that tool what does that take for me to reimagine it? Um, and, and very much like Shelly was saying, the think out of the box. When I was thinking about the questions for today, I was thinking, you know, sometimes the walls of the box are very high and you don't even realize it. Like I consider myself a person who kind of rolls with it, goes with the flow, but there's also things in my head of like, this is how we do our clubhouse. It's always been like this. They need to come this many times a week. They can only come from this area. You know, this is how we do it. And it's really, even still as we go on, I think every month something new hits me of like, wait, we need to do a shorter version and maybe target this audience, you know? Um, we could just throw out, you know, it doesn't have to be four months or six months. What if it's two months? What would that look like? And could we create something of value? Um, I, think, I think that's been the biggest thing really like getting past, especially for those of us who have been working at our clubhouse for a while, like we all have, we're kind of into some routines and we have some things we rely on, <laughs> you know, and I definitely know I rely on that. Hey, come in, we have a pool table, let's go play pool. And that's how I get the conversation with the kid because we're not just sitting face to face with one another and I'm not like, hey, what's going on with you? Because that's 
a lot of pressure and I don't work like that very well as a person either. I'm going to tell you more on a car ride than, you know, I am in some sort of session. So yeah, like how do we create that and that sense of fun and community? And yeah. And I mean, for me personally, it's like surround yourself with all these creative people because maybe my mind sometimes works creatively and sometimes not as much, you know, but maybe Shelly has a suggestion. Henry has a suggestion. Rebecca has a suggestion and we can work off of each other. I think that's been a big lesson. The clubhouses, especially the mental health clubhouses were at risk of elimination last year. As a matter of fact, there were several that lost the VACD funding and by the grace of God and by our <laughs> uh, initiative, uh, you know, the two one, the two for viewpoint health, Strive and Nest were saved. Uh, programs continue to be cut, budgets continue to be cut. And what I'm saying is if you are listening to me today, the youth need your help more today than they have ever needed before. Uh, parents uh, need your help. Women or anyone who experiences any type of domestic violence, it's happening even in more secrecy. So because we are under now the screen, uh, even as we're doing this podcast, that doesn't mean that the issues, and I'll keep reiterating the same thing, that doesn't mean that the issues have lessened. Uh, kids now have more access to substances to continue on with their use because parents now have gone back to work and often the youth members, especially the population that we work with, um, are, are home alone. And so they're experimenting and doing different things. I just read some excerpts of some youth this week and there was such a cry for mental health needs in high school that my mouth was just open because I'm, think, I'm thinking, oh, we're reaching, look at us. And we're still not even putting a dent to what some of the stuff that I read. We want to get each of you to respond to our, our final question. And uh, Shelly, maybe I'll start with you. Uh, it's kind of a fun question. Uh, at least I hope it is. If you could teach one class to others about what you learned from the pandemic about doing this work, what class would you teach? Oh, get back to me. I want to think about this. I don't know. <laughs> okay, if there is a class that I could teach about what I have learned during the pandemic, am I understanding that right? I would want to teach patience. Patience okay. and understanding to everyone. I think that is a virtue that not many people possess, myself included. Um, and kind of like faking it till you make it. We're having a hard time right now. But try to understand that you're good, you're fine, you're safe, and we will get through this. You just need to learn patience. And that's something that I have learned myself. I am still learning every day as this pandemic continues, just patience. And if I could bestow that upon someone, I would be happy to do so. Henry, what's the class you would teach? Oh, okay, it's really hard, but I am agree with Shelly. I think we need to be more tolerant now because they are different kids, different kids, okay? They are, most of the time, they lost of interest in activities that previously enjoyed. They have hard time uh, falling asleep. Uh, they 
they think they they need that something really different and we need to listen more of them okay we need to try to understand what happened to them in order to help them Rebecca what class would you teach to others about what you've learned during this period of time I would definitely teach a class that's already part of the curriculum of mental health clubhouses and I would call it resiliency in the unknown uh, because I think that the pandemic really taught us about unknowns so there's grief and loss you know that's an unknown territory there's all these things but during this pandemic after certain monthly surveys that we would conduct we realized that the, the echoing theme was the fear of the unknown people did not know when this is going to be over what is going to happen what's this what's that and so I would love to master <laughs> I don't know if you can but um, how to help individuals I work with kids 6 to 21 so I have a big gap of, of my range and their families their parents their caregivers and so how to teach all of these different age groups how to be resilient and stand your ground no matter what the dark and the light that comes our way that would be my my class Lynn, what, what class would you teach? They already took all the classes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, very much along those same lines, rolling with change. Um, and I think, you know, because again, our job in this field is to walk with people as they go through changes. And we hope that those are positive changes, but sometimes they're not. You know, like like everyone was saying, because of the unknown. So, you know, rolling with change and part of that being acceptance of what's going on currently. So def there's definitely some meditation in my class. <laughs> there's definitely, I know I've been working on that personally, you know, just being able to sit still with it and, you know, accept where I am right now. And then how, okay, so now I've accepted it and now I've sat with it. Now, how do I move forward and, and really wholeheartedly move forward? Not, you know, not in that, um, you know, cautious, oh, I don't really want to have to change kind of way because I mean, our whole world has been upended and we've all had to learn to do that. I don't know if you noticed my like mic drop reaction, um, Rebecca, to your advocacy. So um, first of all, thank you for coming together and for speaking up about your work. Thank you. Uh, it's so important for us uh, to hear from other people who are doing this work in this crazy time. So I just want to thank you for your expertise and, and sharing it with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Vox ATL's Guide on the Side podcast series. Other episodes can be found on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash voxatl, in the Apple Podcast Store, and streaming on our website at voxatl.org. You can follow the rest of our Guide on the Side work at voxatl.org slash guide dash on dash the dash side Slash. And if you like what you heard, you can always support our work by going to voxatl.org slash donate. For Vox Teen Communications, I'm Rich Eldridge.